Welcome to the Boaters Lounge, a podcast series brought to you by Oasis Marinas. Our mission is simple. We're here to engage with our team, our boaters, marina owners, partners, and the boating community at large. Hey, I'm Allie Modica, a member of the Oasis Marinas team and your host. I'm joined by a returning guest and our boat education resource, Bob Arrington, today for part two of our educational series, Getting Underway. Welcome back to the Boaters Lounge, Bob. It's good to see you. Hi, Allie. It's nice to be back with you. If you missed part one, don't worry, you can always go back and hear episode 10 on boat handling and safety at the marinas. Part one focused on docking tips and more close quarters maneuvering inside the marina basin, which, as we talked about, causes major stress for boaters. But today we have Bob on to go over the next part of our boating journey, getting underway, boating in the channels and inlets beyond your marina. Bob, as a returning guest to the podcast, I'll switch up the icebreaker a little bit. Since we're talking about getting underway and some different waterways we encounter, what has been the most difficult waterway you've had to navigate as a boater? Ooh, good question. I guess I guess it could vary depending on what you consider difficult. Uh, I mean, a, a waterway can be difficult because of depth or it can be difficult because of uh, different things. But probably, probably the East River that connects New York Harbor to Long Island Sound. It's a really cool waterway to go through because you've got the New York skyline mm-hmm. on your left side if you're going north on your left side, and you've got Brooklyn on your right side, on your starboard side, and it's just really neat to go through. So you want to sort of look around at everything, but it's a really busy waterway. Mm-hmm. And then you add the current as you get into Hellgate, which is a, a tricky little channel, a bend in the river, uh-huh. um, and between the current and all of the boat traffic that's in there, commercial and recreational, you got to be on your game going through that one. Oh, I can only imagine. Is that part of the Great Loop? It is not. So if you're going to do the Great Loop, you would go up into New York, into the New York Harbor, Mm -hmm. and you would continue up the Hudson River. Mm -hmm. So to go into Long Island Sound, just at the Battery, at the very southern tip of Manhattan, you would bear right and that takes you up the East River. It's not really a river. They call it that. It's a tidal flow. Uh, and But that takes you up into Long Island Sound. If you stay to the left, that takes you up the Hudson River and sends you on to the canals and, and the a Great Loop. I see. I see. So not everyone has to traverse that one. That is correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we'll get into it. You wrote numerous articles on this topic of heading out for... Passage maker, southern boating, and marina life. So, can you kick us off with describing the importance of today's topic and why this is something all boaters should be knowledgeable about? There's a lot happening when you get into a waterway. You've left the safety of the marina, the confines of the marina, and now you've. It's it's like pulling out of a parking lot onto a busy street. So you now you've pulled out into traffic, mm-hmm. and you not only need to be aware of what you're doing with your boat, but you need to be aware of what everyone else is doing with their boat around you. And it's easy to get distracted there. Um, some of these waterways are pretty confined. And so you not only need to be paying attention to your boat, other boaters, and the waterway all at the same time. Situational awareness. <laughs> great definition for it. Yeah, great, great application for it. That is true. So the first aspect of heading out and beginning your 
journey is just like you talked about handling distractions while immediately leaving the marina or entering this narrower waterway. Can you take us through some examples of distractions you might experience as you head out? Well, the the traffic, as I mentioned, uh, so if you pull out of the marina, to start with, sometimes the sight lines leaving a marina may not be the best. It's not uncommon for marinas to have um, their large boats to put their large yachts out on their face dock. Mm -hmm. And you may be leaving the entrance of that or the the break in the the, uh, piers that take you out in the waterway that's blind for you. You can't see a lot of times past those yachts that are out on the face dock. So the first thing you need to be careful of is, are you coming out into intersecting traffic? There is a whistle signal on your boat. One prolonged blast Mm -hmm. um, indicates that I am coming out into a fairway or I'm coming out into an open waterway. And that would uh, let a boater know that you're coming out. Um, They have the right of way. You would be impeding their traffic if you came out into them. So the first thing is to make sure it's clear to come out into it. The next thing might be um, if there's any current in that waterway, because if you're coming out of the protection of the marina now into a current, that current may start to sweep you sideways. Fort Pierce City Marina is a great example of this. When you leave the marina, you come out into the ICW there and there's a bridge immediately north of you. And if the current is running north, you haven't really cleared that entrance and the marina and the current is going to instantly take you right into the pilings of that bridge. So, you know, being aware of that as well. Mm -hmm. So there are a variety of things like that, but those are two good examples. What are some of your recommendations for staying on course amid some of these diversions? Well, preparing ahead of time, you're going to, you're going to hear that theme repeated a lot from me in a lot of things we talk about uh, and and preparing ahead of time in this case when we're going to go out even if it's someplace we've been many times before we will lay out a route and we will put it in our chart plotter it's a bright pink line for us in our chart plotter in front of us and so I see that pink line and I always know that I want to be on that uh, uh, taking into consideration other boat traffic around us, but that's my goal to stay on that line. And if I'm, if I get distracted by another boat intersecting with us, uh, or or um, uh, the current's taking me, and I want to know where I need to be to how to compensate for that, um, I always have that in front of me, and I know that that's our guide. Having said that, it's really easy to pretend you're playing a video game and you only focus on that chart plotter in front of you and you don't look out the windows around you. And so, you know, but, you know, back to your situational awareness description there, you have to, you have to have, you know, eyes up, eyes down and in the back of your head all at the same time to make sure that you are mindful of what's around you at the same time, you're trying to stay where you need to be. Mm-hmm. In sports, we call this head on a swivel. You're always you turning go. your head, uh, always looking for things around you and possible, exactly. yep, and, and possible issues. What if you have family or crew on board? Are you talking to them, seeing you know, if 
if they see something out there to let you know or? Sure, there are, uh, yeah, boy, that's, um, I'm gonna answer that in two ways that sort of seem to be contrary to each other. So when we are coming into an inlet, when we're coming into a marina, any place where I really need to be focusing, I'm gonna ask our guests or I'm gonna ask our family or whoever we have on board, do me a favor, everybody, just have a seat somewhere and try to be quiet because <laughs> I'm gonna be focusing on what's happening. Now, at the same time, I've just told them to be quiet. If they see something <laughs> that, that I don't see, yes, call my attention to it. Uh, you know, my wife and I have that deal with each other. Um, there have been many times that she has bailed us out of a problem because she has seen something that I miss. And um, I've, I've watched that happen on a charter boat with a professional captain. We were out scuba diving and, and uh, just a bunch of divers on the boat. And uh, one of the divers noticed something that the captain didn't notice. And, and he didn't say anything. <laughs> he didn't feel like he had permission to. Oh, no. so, um, so absolutely, you know, we want everyone to, I'm gonna be focusing on this. Uh, everyone have a seat and be quiet if you can. But if you do see something, absolutely call my attention to it. What we want to minimize there is chatter um, and anything that would be a distraction to the captain paying attention or to uh, to the mate handling the lines. Right. You've got enough distractions going on in the water around you. You don't need any additional ones in the boat. Exactly. Got it. So in your route the day before, um, what kind of apps are you using for that? There are a variety available on iPads um, or apps that can be opened up in chart plotters on the screen. Aquamaps and Navionics are probably the two most um, popular uh, and the two most commonly used. Each one does a few things better than the other. Aquamaps has the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers dredge survey reports overlaid onto their charts. So any place that the Army Corps of Engineers is responsible for keeping that waterway dredged and clear, those survey reports are overlaid on that chart. So you can see pretty accurately what's been dredged to what depth and where it is. And it's all color coded for blue being deeper water and red being more shallow water. And so it makes it really easy for you to, to stay in the correct water depths that you need. Aquamaps is the only one that has that. Uh, conversely, Navionics, I think, does the best job with currents and with tides in giving that information in real easy to understand graphs that you can search ahead of time. So days before you're going to go, you can know what the currents or the tides are going to be doing in that waterway. So, um, so they each gives information um, a little different than the other. And so we end up using both for different, for different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know those two are pretty popular within our community. What about the boaters who may not have this technology? But don't go boating. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, well, that's you know, that's silly to say, but um, I mean, but but they are so easy. I don't know of anyone that's boating today that doesn't have a smartphone. Right. At least there aren't many. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and so and so, I mean, that's an app that's available on your smartphone. So it's not like it's an expensive piece of equipment mm -hmm. that you may not be able to afford to have on your boat. It's simple to have, and so I would say to anyone boating especially in crowded waterways, download the app. They're not expensive and become familiar with them. 
Can you speak to why it's so important boaters use the most up-to-date technology and data when plotting their course and looking at these charts? Sure. You know, the bodies of water that we're talking about here are very dynamic places. They're not static. They um, are constantly changing. And to know whether a buoy moved, to know whether a marker has moved, to know whether a storm has moved a shoal or built a shoal is really important. The apps do a pretty good job of keeping up with markers and buoys as, and as the Coast Guard moves those and reports of those movements. But even beyond that, the most up-to-date way of knowing that is a lot of the crowdsourced information where boaters will go in and make comments on a particular inlet or on a particular waterway. Mm -hmm. And they will, so you can look ahead and see a boater went through there the day before you. And they can say, this marker's off station, or we stayed 50 feet off of that marker and we had plenty of water. So crowdsourced information is a great way to stay on top of that. Yeah. And then the last way to stay really current is to talk with the boaters that are using these waterways the most. And sometimes those are the professional captains, the towboat U.S. captains mm -hmm. and the sea tow captains that are hauling people off of sandbars. Or, or helping people in inlets, we'll call ahead of time quite often if we're going to come in an inlet that we're uncertain about or we, maybe we haven't been in it this season. I'll call um, one of the towboat captains or sea tow captains and say, hey, we haven't been in here in a year. Can you tell me what's going on in that inlet today or in that channel today? Has anything moved? And they'll say, yeah, there's a sandbar that has built up on the west side, so just stay to the east when you come through there. And so that's really getting the most up-to-date information that you can um, from boaters that have been through there. Yeah, I saw you write about that in your articles about talking to the towboat captains uh, when you're going in somewhere you may not be as familiar with. I thought that was super interesting. I've never heard of that before, but it obviously makes a lot of sense when you're going somewhere you're not sure about. They would rather help you than come tow you off that sandbar. Yep. Uh, and uh, and so take take advantage of their familiarity with that area. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's pivot to inlets. You mentioned these to me as gateways to adventure. We know entering ocean waters can be tricky. Right off the bat, what makes these passages so difficult? It's a in most instances, and I'll and I'm going to define an inlet now as as. Um, either a man-made or a man-improved nature waterway, okay? So we're not just talking about the delta of a river mm -hmm. opening up into the ocean. Um, so, so they are confined with a lot of water flowing through them. And so anytime that you have a, lot, a great volume of water flowing through a confined space, um, you get currents and you get waves and you get water activity that can do things to the boat that you may not be ready to handle. So it's, it's pretty much about the volume of water going through a small area. No boater, new or experienced, wants to run a rough inlet. How do you suggest boaters approach inlets? Well, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I said it again, plan ahead. <laughs> you know, do your homework ahead of time. So we talked about um, Navionics having really good tide and current information. So you can know 
high and low tide, the times of high and low tide mm -hmm. at an inlet, and you can know the times of max flow or max ebb when the water is flowing at its greatest velocity through the inlet. Mm -hmm. And and max flow doesn't always coincide with a, a change in tide. So high tide may not be slack current. Mm -hmm. Low tide may not be slack current. So make sure that you're looking at those independently of each other. But you can predict ahead of time what those are. So you shouldn't be surprised. And then take a look at what the wind is doing and know whether the wind is going to be opposing a current or with a current because that can affect the sea state in the inlet, how large the waves are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wind opposing the current is a no-go. In all circumstances, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yep, because the wind stacks the waves up. Yep, and I do remember that from our last conversation, too, on uh, tides yes. and currents. Yes. So as a captain and educator, what are some of your biggest tips for navigating an inlet that we may not have already touched on? Well, we touched on timing. Mm -hmm. um, be patient. If you are getting ready to go out the inlet and you see traffic coming in, um, don't crowd the inlet. Don't crowd other boats going in. Be patient and be willing to wait essentially your turn or wait until the inlet is clear. You may want the most amount of navigating room that you can take going through there because, again, it may be a small confined space. Trying to share that with another boater um, could, you know, could add to the challenge. Um, the other benefit of waiting and watching another boat go through is you can see what the water's doing to their boat. You can see if they had a, particular, a particularly difficult time at any point in the inlet. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, I can see what it's going to do to my boat when I get there to the end of that jetty, whatever the case may be. So be willing to lay back and watch what other boats are doing going through. Yeah, and from my experience, when the inlet is crowded and boats are coming in and out, you also don't want to get in that washing machine. You want to let that yeah. flow through, let it go, and do your own pass when it's the calmest. Exactly, and the, and the other boat traffic, it creates just that. It makes it even worse in there. That is true. Can you talk about boats broaching after entering an inlet with following waves? How should boaters approach this dangerous situation? Oh, um, you don't go. Uh, and if, uh, if, it's, if we are going to pull, if we're going to approach an inlet and we know that there are significant seas going into that inlet, we will lay back. We have, we, I've stayed outside of an inlet for hours at a time, mm -hmm. waiting for the tidal current to change in the inlet as opposed to going into it that way. Following seas are interesting because they don't feel dangerous. You know, when you're in a head sea, when you've got the bow into a head sea, the boat's hitting it hard, mm -hmm. the boat's pitching up and down, it feels uncomfortable. When you have a following sea, it's a much more gentle feeling. And so you feel like everything is okay right up until it's not. And then it's too late to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So a following sea can, can mislead you into feeling like you're okay 
until it lifts the boat a little too much and now you're surfing a little too much mm-hmm. and and now you're in trouble and it's too late to do anything about it at that point. Right, you're you're so, riding the wave. Yeah, exactly, right. You want to stay on the back side of a wave, not the front side of one uh, when advice. you're going with them. As a Florida girl, I obviously know about Holover <laughs> Inlet. Oh, yes. Very famous. The YouTube channel is wildly popular now, highlighting boater mistakes coming into and out of this inlet in South Florida. Have you been there, and why is it so treacherous? I have been there. Uh, One of my favorite marinas, Williams Island Marina, is just up the waterway from there, and a really nice anchorage at Valletta State Park is uh, just inside uh, that inlet also. So I've been in and out of it many times, and what's what's interesting about that inlet is if you go in and out of it in benign conditions, um, when the current isn't flowing and there's no wind, Mm -hmm. you would sort of scratch your head and say, what's everybody so worked up about? There's no big deal here. Um, And that's really the key to it. Mm -hmm. Time it correctly. Uh, it's, It's when people attempt it on a day that they shouldn't or the time of day that they shouldn't. And it's really short. Um, from the waterway to the end of that jetty, um, I, I don't, I've never measured it, but it's not more than a few hundred yards at the most. And so you would look at it and think, how bad can this be? Mm-hmm. Look, yeah, there's the ocean right there. Um, but uh, it'll, it'll hand it to you if you're not careful, <laughs> as, as the YouTube video shows. Yeah, there should be a little ticker on the bottom that shows when they went, what the wind was, what the tide was, so people can really judge. That would be interesting. You're right. Yeah. Well, well, clearly it shows that there are times when you shouldn't be there. <laughs> There's a ton of videos, pages, channels, authors, and resources out there for boaters to learn more about heading out and getting underway out of the marina. Where would you guide boaters looking to hear or see even more on this topic? I think forums are a good place. Um, if you uh, if you do a search on some of the boaters forums, the cruisers forum, trawlers forums, some of the boat owners um, forums, you will see people asked having asked that question before. You can typically search by sh- subject, and you'll see where people have asked a question about that particular inlet or about mm-hmm. that body of water. Go back and see how the experienced boaters answered that question, or post a question there. I'm going to go through here for the first time. Has anyone been through there recently? And can you tell me about it? Voters are by far, I think, the most helpful, most friendly group of people I've ever had the pleasure of of dealing with. And so they are going to be very willing to share their knowledge and their information with you. So that's a good place. Cruising guides. Uh, there are some excellent cruising guides written in, ter- in uh, about areas. Coast pilots are a real good place. Mm. Many people aren't familiar with coast pilots. They're a publication by of NOAA, and they are and they are grouped by area of of the coastline. And so, coast pilot number one starts up in New England. Coast pilot two works its way down the coast. Coast pilot three is the Mid Atlantic. So they're numbered, and they have very good descriptions of all of the waterways along our seaboard. Uh, and um, from the East Coast, Gulf Coast, West Coast, they, they cover the entire United States. And so looking at the coast pilots uh, for information is also a great resource. 
Oh, great. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Download. They're downloadable now also. You used to have to buy them in paper, but now you can go on web on Noah's website and you can download the Coast Pilot free and have it as uh, saved in your iPad. And so it makes it really easy to have all of them and they're updated. And so you just want to make sure you keep them current. Yeah, and just pull them up while you're out there or right before. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Yep. Well, super informative. Thank you for all the insight and information. I know our boaters and podcast listeners will take a lot out of this and take those inlets a little more uh, cautiously next time. Before I let you go, we've got our lightning round, a little different from last time as a returning guest. So here we go. One thing you can't live without. Um, nothing. And when I say that, I mean that Anything you rely on on the boat can break or fail. And so know what you would do if it did. So there can't be anything you can't live without. Mm -hmm. Know what you would do if something you count on all of a sudden wasn't there for you. Favorite boating destination? Wow. Probably Maine right now. And, it, and this could change. Uh, over the years, I guess I've had different ones. But right now, we're pretty enamored with Maine. Um, it's not just about the beauty of the coastline. And, and just from a raw nature standpoint, they don't come much prettier. But the charming little villages and towns and the friendliness of the people... Um, you know, it's said when you arrive in a town as a boater, you arrive as a local. Hmm. You're, you're one with them instantly. It's different than when you arrive by car or any other means. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the, so many people up there live their life by the sea. Um, they, their sustenance is by the sea. You instantly have a kinship with them. And so the villages up there and the people in them are pretty special. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've had Maine on my bucket list for a while now. Yeah. Number one thing you need on the boat? For me, my wife. And, and it could be crew. It could be a best friend. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of solo boaters. That's not for me. Um, boating is a special thing to share with someone. I'm lucky that my crew and my partners, my wife, and we share that together. Best lesson you've learned as a captain? You can't know everything. And um, so always be open to learning. Always be open to, to knowing what you don't know. Love it. Great advice, as usual. Thank you for joining us in the Boaters' Lounge today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and chat with Bob Arrington. Be sure to stay tuned for more educational episodes featuring Bob coming up each month. And check us out each week for more from Oasis Marinas, including interviews with company leaders and team members, discussions with our partners and industry friends, boaters tips, tricks, and more. Follow us on social media at Oasis Marinas on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If there's a guest or topic you'd like us to feature, let me know. Email me at marketing at oasismarinas.com. In the meantime, keep the throttle down and sales tight. So long.